So at this point, I'm going to inv invite Tim to come and, uh, and speak to us. Uh, he's going to carry on our, uh, is it fighting the good fight? Is that what it's called? Fighting the good fight. Tom, Tom does it, so he knows. Um, brilliant. Um, Tim, can I, can I pray for you? Please do, yes. So um, for anybody who's a guest here or new here, Tim uh, is part of the senior leadership team of the Woodlands Church family. He's been part of church family. How long? How long? Oh, I don't know. 32 years, 33 years. So, wow. Yes. Yeah, you were just three at the time, yeah, weren't exactly. you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I wandered in on my knees. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to pray for, for Tim before he speaks to us. Father God, we thank you for Tim. We thank you. Uh, yeah, for, for the life of integrity that he lives. Lord, thank you for the life of experience of walking with you daily that he, um, that he, has, he brings to us this morning. Pray that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you want to say to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Deborah. It's great to hear about youth. Um, I've got my son and his wife and my granddaughter staying at the moment, and uh, a few others who used to be part of Albert's Place and Devotion, which is Youth Provision, were around for a meal last night, and they were just reminiscing about some of the absolutely crazy stuff they used to get up to. And they were laughing, and as they remembered kind of uh, some of the Albert's Place kind of crazy games, like you're saying, some of the kind of um, weekends away, they went to Chepstow, there's this abandoned train tunnel, and it kind of goes around a slight kind of corner, so half Halfway through, you can't see the light at one end. You can't. And it's pitch back, and they were there, kind of just holding hand. And, uh, and one of the leaders got, came down the, the other other way with two great big lights, kind of charging towards them. <laughs> and I thought, no, it's not deserted. It's a train. And and they were just absolutely freaked out. But, um, but if you're slightly crazy, I think that, I think the crazy makes sometimes makes some youth work. I mean, they're still following Jesus wholeheartedly, kind of uh, 20, uh, no, 10, 15 years later, but um, as well. So there's something about the spirituality, but actually that, that fun stuff is just part of what it's being a youth, and uh, it's really great news. Um, good. Is it working? Great. Um, we, we continue the, the series that you've been looking at so far on uh, a book called uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. One of my favourite books, partly because it's got such a great name. I just kind of think, why not name a book, Timothy? Um, uh, but partly because it just has got some fantastic stuff to say about what it means to be a, a disciple of Jesus. How, how to work out what it means once you, uh, if, if you're here as, a, as someone who's a regular part of church, once you've encountered Jesus, what does it mean to live a whole life under the Lordship of Jesus? What does it mean to, 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 to carry on? What does it mean to uh, actually to, to fight the good fight, to run the race? Um, and so it's been great. I've, I've heard some of the kind of things that have been happening uh, in the series. Um, and this morning I'm going to talk a little bit more about how discipleship and how does the Bible and discipleship work together. But just before I do that, I think one of the, the biggest challenges to discipleship in our culture um, is... Um, it almost works. It almost works. Okay. Uh, is uh, radical individualism. I don't know if you've come across that phrase. Um, now, I, I believe in individualism. I believe that God has created us all uniquely, all as individuals. He's given you your own gifts, your own personality. Actually, part of the deal of following Jesus is discovering what makes you uniquely you and how God's created you with all the kind of the, the wonder, your personality, your gifts, your skills, your interests, uh, how he uses your background and your kind of education and your family and all those things. God can use you uniquely and individually to serve him and to live well in this world. 
But radical individualism is the way society has been going over the last 40 years, which actually is about kind of, um, well, it's, it's kind of things like on Instagram or whatever, you may get these kind of, no, oh, yes, you may get these kind of things, kind of just be you or um, you do you, kind of be true to yourself. And what's happened in radical individualism is actually now you define reality, you define truth, you define flourishing by what's in here. It's, it's you define, you state, you kind of, you search deep inside here for your own truth, for your own reality, for your own identity. You actually, you self-define, you self-identify. You self you, you, your world now has been driven towards this idea that, um, uh, that you are the most important person. What you think, what you believe, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And, and, and actually what's happened is society has started drifting. It's drifting now that it says that the highest sovereignty is the sovereignty of the individual. And that sovereignty overrides all other sources of authority. Now what that means is that where maybe in generations gone past, we're looking for authority, we're looking for truth out there somewhere, that we align ourselves. Now society says, well, you've got to just go deeper in here. Find out what you feel, what you believe, kind of your emotions, connect with your true self, and then be true to yourself. And you are the final authority. Now, that makes it slightly tricky. When you, you, you're growing up in a, you're swimming in, in, in an ocean that is, has got that kind of vibe to it, when you're then called to be a disciple of Jesus, Actually, the deal is it's not about being true to yourself. Actually, if you're being true to yourself, you'll find that there's all kinds of rubbishy stuff that's in here. That, that if you're true to, you end up doing bad stuff. A friend of mine kind of uh, left his wife and two children. And when I said to him, but you're a Christian, why do you do that? I've just, I just kind of wasn't in love with my wife anymore. I was in love with this person. I had to be true to myself. I said, no, you've got to be true to your wedding vows. You've got to be true to Jesus. But no, no, I've got to be true to myself because that's what society tells me. That's where true human flourishing is. It's I've got to be true to what's inside here. And that's why we've got a, a, a game plan um, and uh, that game plan is uh, the fact that there is another authority. Actually, there's an authority that's the authority of Jesus. If you truly want to flourish in life, it's not about digging deeper inside here to find out what is true. It's digging deeper in here to find out more about Jesus, to find out more about God, to find out more about his ways, to find out what, what's his plan, his plan for, for life, his plan for living, his plan for thriving. And actually, rather than aligning ourselves to what we feel inside, to our this kind of authority, we say, is there another kind of authority? There's, there's this kind of authority. Now, society doesn't like that because they, they think that authority is to do with control, authority is to do with manipulation, authority is to do with oppression. Uh, but actually, when you come under the authority of Jesus, it is all about freedom. It's all about thriving. It's all about living life to the full and to the best. And that's why here in, in 1 and 2 Timothy, uh, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy, actually, this is the kind of life you need to live. It's living life under the lordship of Jesus. And within that perspective, he then says, and Timothy, there's something about how do you live when Jesus isn't around here in person, how do you live with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and under the authority of Scripture, the written word of God?
And so we're going to think just a little bit this morning about what's it mean for, um, for the Bible to work in our lives? What's it mean for doctrine or theology? What's it mean for the way that uh, our mindset and our worldviews are not just shaped by our personal preferences, but are shaped by what God has revealed through the Bible? I'm going to read a bit from, from 1 Timothy and a bit from, from 2 Timothy. Um, so this is the first bit from, from 1 Timothy. This is 1 Timothy um, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. And, and it just explains why Paul left Timothy in this city called Ephesus. So it says this, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrine any longer, or devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculation rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. In 2 Timothy, again, he talks again about how, how teaching, how doctrine, how the Bible is really important. So this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions and suffering, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learnt it, and how from infancy you've learnt the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at that, even the children's work, whew, out like there, like a shot. Um, just lastly, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 it says this, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. For the time will come when people will not put up with, here's the phrase we're looking at, sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, radical individualism, they will gather around themselves a number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And again, I just think that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? That, that as, we, as we live in a society of radical individualism, then actually I just want bits of the Bible that suit me. I want bits of the Bible that back up what I feel about myself. I want to pick kind of people who say things that, that make me feel kind of, don't, maybe don't challenge or provoke me, correct me, but actually just reaffirm. They, they kind of back up what I feel about myself, what I, what I feel about the world, the truth that I perceive. And so my itching ears will pick up on YouTube different little talkers that actually suit and soothe my individual spirituality. Now, I think there's just back then, as Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to stay in uh, Ephesus because there's people who actually, in their individualism, are pursuing all kinds of stuff. Now, in chapter one, it was saying there about myths and endless genealogies. Again, sometimes it's a lot easier and a lot less painful to think about kind of myths and strange things rather than the words of Jesus that call us to repent, <laughs> to forgive others. Uh, kind of, actually, that's quite, let's talk about kind of just this weird stuff. I mean, and we could talk about, I don't know, uh, 
and, and in the past, not only then, but I remember as a teenager, we would talk endlessly about the second coming, Revelation, the beast, the Antichrist, and we, we used to be absorbed with, with, and we could tell in great detail exactly what the ten horns were and, and what the kind of the things with the sting in the tail, and, and we were just absorbed, and it was, it was, was it the Bible? Well, it kind of was. Was it helpful? No, it wasn't. And, and, but it's easy to talk about stuff that we can get excited about rather than the stuff of, that challenges my pride, that challenges my selfishness, that, that challenges my anger and, and, and greed. Oh, let's just talk about myths or genealogies. Kind of in those days, it was really important who your ancestors were. Kind of who, who do you um, kind of um, like those kind of who who who? No, what's the program called? Um, not who do you think you are? Is it who do you think you are? It is who do you think? You are. So again, just they, they they loved to know who they're, and they would talk about their genealogies, and because it gave them importance within society. But Paul says, no, Timothy, I want you to stop there because kind of poor teaching. Uh, feeds into this individualism, into a, into a, 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 leads people kind of astray. And Timothy, I left you there to teach. I left you there to teach sound doctrine. I left you there because even right from the beginning, when the church was planted, Apollos came along and, and he, he knew the scriptures, but somehow he, he, didn't, he didn't get it quite right. And so he's preaching it, and Priscilla uh, and Aquila, uh, this wonderful woman and man, they, they took him to one side as they were planting, even planting the church in Ephesus, and said, kind of, ah, oh, let's teach you the word of God more accurately. Because right from the beginning, they, didn't, they only had John's baptism. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They, they, they didn't have right teaching, even right at the start. So Paul says to Timothy, I want you to teach. I want you to go, and I want you to, uh, to teach them. Now, if you had the command to stay somewhere with a church to teach them, what do you think the goal of that command should be? So if you have the instruction, here's some people and they're, they're wandering off into individualistic ways of life and they're, they're going and doing their own thing. Some of them talk about myths and genealogies and they're not taking the words of Jesus seriously. If the goal of the command was, sorry, if the instruction was to teach, what do you think the goal of that command should be? I mean, some people might think, it, well, it's truth. Actually, the goal is to make sure that they all believe the truth. Or maybe it is sound doctrine. Actually, the goal of the command is, is that they, people should have, the, have the, the statement of faith, all signed at the bottom. They, they know exactly what they should believe. But it's fascinating for me, when we talk about God's word, bringing ourselves under the authority of God's word, he says this, doesn't he? This is in, in verse um, chapter 1 uh, and uh, verse 5. He says, the goal of this command is love. Well, hang on a minute. If you're there to, to teach the Bible, it's, it's about truth. It's about inerrancy of scripture. It's about doctrine. It's about theology. So actually, no, the goal of coming under the authority of scripture is not about knowing more truth. It's not about having all your theology kind of get a certificate and signed up. Actually, the goal of the command is love. When you bring yourself under the authority of scripture... The goal should be, do you love God more? Do you love his people more? Do you love the lost more? And, and for me, I think that's one of the, the key things about what is sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is not about a statement of faith. It's not about, this is what we believe at Highgrove Church. It's not about, do you believe all these kind of statements and all these kind of propositions about who God is, about scripture, about the Holy Spirit, about the, infant, kind of, um, uh, the incarnation. It's... 
the goal of teaching, the goal of bringing ourselves rather than radical individualism living out of the truth that's here, as we bring ourselves under the truth that's here, the goal of that command is love. And sometimes I can listen to people who talk about the Bible and they're very clever and they're quite persuasive, but I leave sometimes and I just think, oh, do you know what? It's a little bit harsh or a little bit graceless or kind of, and I can leave. But sometimes I can just hear people just, maybe they take a, just a simple verse from the Bible and they just very simply explain the truth of what it means. And do you know what? I leave feeling God, you're so wonderful. Oh, God, I just, I just love this church. I love being part of your family. And or there's something about the people who don't yet know Jesus. Do you know what? I just love, I just should be sharing my faith. And, the, and the, the goal of good, sound doctrine should be loving God more, loving one another more, loving the lost more. And so some people who kind of pursue kind of uh, things around around doctrine, around theology, whatever, actually sometimes can get their heads in books and their hearts aren't affected. But I think what Paul says to Timothy here is when you teach, when you take the scripture, when you try and help to lead people to bring themselves under the authority of Jesus, the goal should always be loving. Not coercion, not persuasion. The goal should be love. And actually that comes, Timothy, if you've got a pure heart. Actually, there's something about the way that you bring God's word. You're not trying to manipulate or dominate. Actually, your heart is pure. There's something about your conscience that's good. Actually, there's something about integrity, that you're open to the Holy Spirit prompting you as the Bible teacher. When you've done things that are wrong, when you've said things that are wrong, that your conscience kind of says, ah, Tim, that was not very kind, that wasn't very generous, that wasn't very gracious, that wasn't very forgiving. Ah, Holy Spirit, that's right. And I respond to that good conscience. I confess, I repent, I find God's forgiveness. And there's, therefore, a pure heart and a sincere faith that, that when we talk about the Bible, it's not an intellectual exercise. This is a wonderful book. It's really hard to understand, written over kind of thousands of years. But it's a book that needs to be taken seriously and sincerely. And is there a faith and a trust as we talk about the Bible and put it into practice? When Paul talks about uh, the Bible, he talks about it being God-breathed. He says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And, and for me, I think that is why I need to bring my life, not under the authority of Tim Dobson, actually I need to bring my life under the authority of, of this book, and, and why I try and, and read it most days because I know that it's useful. Actually, I know there's something about the battles that I face in my own secret personal life, the battles that I face in, in working with people, of trying to see God's kingdom come in the world. I know that I need to bring my life under the authority of the Bible. And Paul says here that actually when you read the Bible, it can do these four things. Actually, the first thing it can do, it can teach you. It can teach you about God and about his story. It can teach you about his ways. It can teach you about what salvation is and, and, and what it is to be forgiven and what it is to be the church, what it is to be family. It teaches what it is to be, to how the world's finally going to be wrapped up and there's going to be a new heaven and new earth. Actually, the Bible is useful to, to teach you. It gives you a grid, a perspective, a worldview in which you can live. Actually, if you don't let the Bible teach you, all kinds of other things will teach you. The soaps will teach you. The, the social media will teach you. Things that you kind of read as you scroll through on your phone, they'll, they'll teach you, they'll educate you, they'll wash your brain 
wash through and give you a perspective on life. But if you give space to the Bible, actually the Bible will teach you. And the thing about the Bible, I think it teaches you what is right and what is good and what's eternal. I think it's useful to rebuke you. I think there's times where I read the Bible and I suddenly think, ah, oh, it's a bit like God saying, Tim, <laughs> when you said that, when you did that, when you thought that, it wasn't so good, was it? And, and, and I can read a verse that maybe is talking about generosity, and, and I can remember something that week where I, I saw somebody in a situation, and because of I was in a hurry, I dashed past, and the Holy Spirit can rebuke me, <laughs> challenge me, and say, Tim, actually, if you genuinely want to live like Jesus under his authority in his life, actually, generosity is something that you should be doing, and there can be a rebuke. If there's somebody I've got a little bit of a grudge or a little bit of a gnarly thoughts about because they've upset me, I can hold on to the grudge, or I can forgive, and sometimes you read a bit from the Bible, and it talks about forgiveness, and suddenly you feel that you're being rebuked, and that's helpful. It's not to batter you down and fill you full of guilt. It's to help you to to change, to acknowledge. It's there to correct you. It's not no good just saying, bad Tim, bad Tim, bad Tim. But actually, Tim, here's some words that can correct you. It, it, it corrects your thinking about yourself. It corrects the thinking about the world. Actually, it corrects when you let the Holy Spirit. It is like food that strengthens your insides, the Bible. It's like light that shines into dark places. And actually, as you open yourself up to reading the Bible, it can correct you. But it also trains in righteousness. A bit like, I don't know if you've been watching any of the World um, Championship Athletics or Commonwealth Games is coming up. And, and, and they, those guys will have been in training, hidden, unseen training, so that when it comes to the, I don't know, 1,500 metres, and you want to win a gold medal, actually, you've done all the secret training, and so that you naturally can run your race. And there's something about reading the Bible. I, I want to, to live a righteous life. I want to live a just life. I want to live a good life. Well, training, the Bible trains you in righteousness. Actually, it's part of your discipline that, that you read the Bible. And so you become the kind of person that naturally does what Jesus does. It's, it's like a training. When it comes to the race you're running, you naturally run fast. You naturally kind of, because you've been training yourself. And the Bible is good for those things. Just the last two things as I finish. How, when you navigate the internet and blogs and um, uh, podcasts, how do you know what is right and what isn't? I was talking to someone the other day down at Woodlands, uh, and they were telling me all this kind of weird, weird stuff, theological stuff. And I said, kind of, where on earth did you get that from? I said, I've been watching YouTube. And I said, well, kind of, well, how did you find that? So, well, he went on one space on YouTube, and he watch something, which is probably slightly dodgy. But then there's all kinds of suggestions of other things to watch on the side, and I clicked on that one. And, and then they suggested more on that side, and so I clicked on that one and that one. And then there were some more suggestions. And actually, he kind of <laughs> went further and further into some really random, weird theological stuff. Now, how do you judge what is sound doctrine? So just as I finish, there's some things that I think, because all kinds of Christians do believe all kinds of things. Um, and I think unity is something that we should go for. But I think these two things. First of all, uh, doctrine, is in com doctrine, sound doctrine, always has to be in community. I think if you try and pursue theology or pursue things individualistically just by listening to blogs and going on YouTube, I think you'll get into trouble. But learning in community is always the best place. Um, it says here that about, Paul said, um, you know the scriptures and you know those from whom you've learnt it those from whom you've learnt it. Actually, so there's something not about what you've learnt, but the people you've learnt it from. 
Actually, are the people you're learning it from, have they got the kind of life that you want to go? Are they living the kind of style of life that you want to live? Because if they're not, then why are you listening to what they've got to say? Actually, there's things about reading books that you know nothing about the author. Actually, I, you, actually, I think you should know something about the author, what they've, the kind of life that they're living. It says, Paul says, you know the kind of life that I've been living. My fact, you were with me, you saw me, you understood my life, therefore you can trust my words. And I wonder whether, again, part of being in a small group is you're with people and you're seeing how their theology and how their doctrine kind of works out. But just the, the last thing, uh, the fruit of doctrine uh, does the way that people believe things, present things. What is the fruit of the way that they live? What does it taste like? Actually, there's something about the taste of their Christian life that tastes sweet, tastes of Jesus, that maybe believe in the kind of things that they believe, listening to their teaching. I know for myself, when I, at, when I was 25, I went down to a, a church called Ichthus, and there was a person there called Roger Forster, and I, and I just thought, here's a man that I think, do you know what, I could just respect his humility. He was leading a church at that stage of about 2,000, seeing all kinds of things, people becoming Christians in amazing ways. And I just thought, do you know what, here is somebody who I see fruit in their life. Therefore, I'll listen to their theological perspectives and understandings. And I think it's something about knowing people and seeing the fruit. So just as we finish, and we can't take a chance to worship again, are you living a life that's radically individualistic? Or are you living a life that's under the Lordship of Jesus? Actually, in the end of the day, theology should point to Jesus. It should point to who he is and, and what he's like. Actually, there's something about the Great Commission, which is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I mean, I mean, that's the deal. And so today, as we worship, today, as we maybe head off on your holidays and this, this next few weeks, actually, is there space for the Bible? Is there space to think? Actually, for some of you, it may be space. Uh, I know for some of you have been on the, the Mulder's Practical Theology course. Uh, I know some of you maybe kind of have heard about Wooden's Bible School. Again, if you go on the Wooden's, the Wooden's website and click on talks, there's a whole, all the Wooden's Bible School talks are there. Again, just going into a bit more depth around some theological, doctrinal kind of issues, how to understand the Bible. Uh, the Mother's Practical Theology course runs on a Tuesday, and it's just great if you've got some space during the week. It's just a great, I know, I mean, how many people here have done the Mother's Practical Theology at some point? Oh, they got about eight, nine people here. Um, it's a great thing, isn't it, to do? Um, so let's make space for God's Word. Um, but let, let me just pray as we come to worship again. God, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you that in it there's life, in it there's freedom. And I pray you'd help us to be those that bring ourselves under the authority of the Bible, under the authority of what you're saying. I pray you'd teach us and rebuke us and correct us. I pray you'd let it train us in righteousness. But ultimately, I pray it would lead us to a life of love that's not soft and sentimental, but is clear and vibrant and true. Help us to process your word together in our little triplets, our disciples, our D groups in, within home groups, help us to be those that know what it is to live our lives under your word and find that it's a great authority. It's a great way to live. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.